Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast episode number nine of the Pretty Fly for Two Side Guys show. I'm back with my great friend Peter after a couple Hello, of weeks away. How are you getting on, Peter? What have you, what's new? What have you been up to and how's the training going? Yeah. Um, not much, as you can imagine, you know, not much in terms of kind of life changing events, I guess, but definitely enjoying more running now. Um, a lot more trails, you know, getting some good walking as well, just to strengthen my legs after a little bit of a break and injury and, you know, and just carrying on with my cycling as well. So just, you know, just forward and up, I guess. <laughs> Fantastic. And very important, isn't it? I think that now we're well and truly in lockdown and it may continue for a long time. And how are you finding the, obviously you're the type of guy who'd stay consistent regardless, which I think is a very important skill that I'm definitely working on myself. Yeah. How have you, how have you found the, the motivational aspect? Is that something that stayed the same or is that something that's changed as we've, uh, as we've been in lockdown? I think if anything, it actually made it easier to stick to a routine because I'm now, because I'm writing up my thesis at the moment. So I'm perfectly in control of my day. So while, you know, sometimes it's tempting to just kind of think, oh, I'm going to do nothing. I'm not going to exercise. Once you have that routine going of doing exercise, especially at certain times, if you can afford to have such a routine and I'm lucky to have it, then it makes it almost easier because you look at the time and, and you realize in your mind that this is the exercise time and you just kind of do it without ever considering an alternative option. So it's definitely better for consistency. Although, as we know, early on in the lockdown, we had a little bit of limitation with the kind of training that we could do. And we still do. We, that being said, with, you know, like swimming pools and gyms being so closed. I agree, actually. And I think that it's a real positive I'm always keen to come back to because I think that for some people, well, at the end of the day, we're going through a bloody pandemic. But at the same time, I do think that for some people, it's been all negative, which I completely understand. But even in these really weird times and all the difficulties, I think it's really good to have this anchor of something positive, such as training. And even if it's something similar, such as improving other areas of your lifestyle, including sleep as an example, which will be our, our topic today, of course, is something that I always encourage people to focus on. Um, so speaking of sleep, I've got a few things I'd be keen to dive into. Naturally, we'll keep this to around 20, 25 minutes. We'll go do a deep dive in some of the really interesting, sciencey and useful tips. What do you want to start with? I've got a few things written down. But I'm be keen to to hear what springs to mind for you in the world of sleep. Well, I think I think it's always good to start with the why, as in mm. why should the average person care about how they sleep, and also how why should they learn more about sleeping, and is there more to learn in terms of the science of it, or you know a little bit of biohacking it as well. Um, so I think that would be a good place to start. Hundred percent. And I think what's really interesting about sleep, I'm not sure if you've ever seen this quote about it. It may have been a quote or somebody made a very smart tweet or something similar where they, <laughs> they basically said, 
imagine one of the strongest drugs in the world that can reduce your hunger it can improve your mood it can improve your concentration all these different things by a huge huge proportion and then at the end of it it said that is sleep and you're absolutely right and i think that what's really interesting about learning the science of nutrition and well-being is if you don't have that why behind it it's almost like a so what as in there's a real difference between having the knowledge versus actually putting it into action and if you had to pick one or two things about sleep what for you would be two of the most powerful reasons why 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 you should really work on it well it's hard to pinpoint just two but one of the most important things to know about sleep is that when you sleep you essentially are replenishing stores of your neurotransmitters that have been used throughout the day and so obviously that's hugely important for your brain function and staying on the topic of brain function that's also where you kind of set in stone so to speak in your brain all the memories of the past day so that would be one just kind of the effects on the brain itself and then obviously it's the best tool for muscle recovery as well which is why you know professional athletes all they do really is eat train and sleep but they sleep so much more than the average person because that's how important it is for recovery i completely agree and i think that i mean this is really interesting actually because for me this links back to supplements and also getting the basics right because for a lot of people i did it myself when i first started out where especially if you're a bit younger maybe you're final year of school or potentially worse at university where sleep cycles going on nights out studying later in the evening that tears havoc on your sleep and for me i i remember actually that i used to spend a good amount of money on supplements and it was really ridiculous things that i can't honestly remember to be perfectly honest with you like all these amino acids and glutamates and all this nonsense. Whereas if I was honest with myself and sat down, I would have looked at my sleep and said, you know, that is an actual body mess. And I think that's really important. And I think for me, I'm not sure if this is something that you focus on now. I really try and set, set some rules for myself, make them flexible, of course, but always have a few minimums. And one of them for me is seven hours of sleep per night and no less than that, because I know how important it is. No, I absolutely agree. And you raised a very important point um, that we kind of mentioned in our fasting episode as well, where you said that you were, you know, spending a lot of money on supplements. Presumably you were doing that to, you know, to grow your muscles, but you weren't really focusing on your sleep, which is just so important. But also bear in mind that sleep is free, right? If you just focus on few interventions that are also free and few things, few tips, right? Nobody is trying to sell you anything or there are people, but I don't have to buy those products. You can optimize your sleep for free, which is, you know, in the biohacking world, there's only a few things that are really for free. Fasting is one of them and sleep is another one as well. So you, you can really do a lot for your body for free just by optimizing that one aspect. Um, 
I do try to aim for about seven to maybe eight hours if I can, but that's proving to be hard. And also the stress levels associated with the feces mean that there are some nights where I just don't sleep well and, you know, and I wake up, but definitely having a goal of a certain amount of hours of sleep and that being, you know, seven, eight, maybe even nine, if you're training really, really hard is, is something to definitely be striving towards. But as you mentioned, you have to be flexible with that because there are sometimes things happening outside of your control um, that will influence your sleep. And speaking of strategies and potentially actually as well, things outside of our control, I thought it'd be really interesting to do a bit of a quick dive on blue lights and blue light filters. This is something that fascinates me because we're sitting here now in a technology-driven era. Of course, we're all sat on our laptops, phones, technology, you name it, late in the evenings. And what's really interesting, I think, about blue light is until you read up about it, you unknowing to yourself are putting your you're putting yourself at a disadvantage when it comes to getting a good amount of sleep and to give a bit of context i'm sure you'll have some more details on it blue lights that is emitted from smartphones from laptops from from screens that disrupts the release of melatonin uh, please correct me on any of this of course and this has a real detrimental effect on our body's ability to wind down and get ready for sleep. And for me, one thing I've done as a tip to, to go away and do is stick on a blue light filter on your phones and laptops. And most devices should have this, this option. Absolutely. You raised a really good point. And ever since I started to, you know, to look at my laptop screen a lot of the time, which is when I started to write about two months ago-ish, um, I've been wearing blue light filtering glasses the whole time, essentially the whole day when I'm looking at my phone and I'm looking at my laptop screen, I'm wearing them and I'm seeing a difference, not only in my sleep, but also in how tired my eyes are. They don't get kind of, you know, like watery, teary, tired, just like aching at the end of the day. And that has been a huge difference for me. So that's something I completely recommend. You're right that most most devices should have those filters and obviously you should have them enabled. Um, I would recommend having them enabled the whole day, not only in the evening. Um, and you're completely right. Basically the blue light, it's not something that we evolved with. It's something that's a relatively new invention. And ba basically what it does is it confuses the body by providing a stimulus of something that's kind of like daylight and so the body almost thinks well it's still day i'm not really ready to go to sleep and the melatonin spike that causes that feeling of sleep and getting ready to sleep doesn't really happen especially if you're just staring at the screen constantly and so you're not going to be falling asleep easily and also you're not going to have great quality of sleep and speaking on a similar result i.e. not falling asleep easily and disrupting your sleep cycles. I want to speak about caffeine. This is a classic, classic, classic topic. And I do think it's worth giving some time to, even from a knowledge perspective. And in a similar way, it always comes back to 
the why behind changing your behaviors. And I don't want to be too preachy about this, but I remember and I learned about the the half-life of caffeine, which is in a nutshell, how long it takes for your body to deal with 50% of what you've taken in. And this half-life is, as far as I'm aware, around five to six hours. Huge amount of time. And what I'm really getting at here is it's worth being mindful of when you're having caffeine because if you have, let's say, a double espresso at three or four in the afternoon, nine or ten at night, your body is still dealing with around a single espresso's worth. What's your take on caffeine, Peter? Like, what's your, how do you approach it, and what would you recommend people do with it? Also, well, yeah, that's a really good point um, with the half life. Really, you shouldn't be drinking anything caffeinated unless it's small amount of you know green tea, which has other health benefits. After the morning, I would say. So, you know, you, you can have your double shot of espresso or Americano or latte or whatever it is that you have or black tea. But anything, I would say after 10, 11 a.m., you shouldn't touch anything that's caffeinated, really. Because while the half-life of caffeine is on average that, there will be differences between people and how people will react to it. And you don't want to be taking anything that jeopardizes your ability to fall asleep. And if you have to be drinking those coffees or those Red Bulls or the black tea to stay awake, you know, past noon, then that's uh, covering up the symptoms of a deeper problem, which is, you know, chronic uh, fatigue of being burned out at work or training too hard or, or whatever it is that you're doing. You're just using caffeine to kind of mask the real underlying problem. So I would say not anything after 10 a.m. or so. That's a really, really good point, actually. It's, it's a negative cycle at the end of the day where you're tired because you're staying up late, which means you need more caffeine and on and on and on. Coming back to this whole idea of how, how we can improve and how we can add some structure and processes and make things easier for ourselves, evening routines are, well... As a topic, it's quite a popular trend. Do you yourself have any form of evening routine or any means of winding down? And I can give a few ideas from me, but yeah, what what for you has, if there has been anything, has been useful for that? Right. So doing stretching for me is particularly useful because not only are you working on any tight areas of your body and you're improving flexibility, but if you're doing stretching in a kind of dim light environment and you're doing it gently and you're doing it slowly, it can act almost as a meditation technique in a way. And it allows you to just slowly relax your body. And also you start to feel all the tensions in your body where where you're holding tension in your face or your shoulders, whatever it is, and you're just letting your body relax. And now, if you have you know your own room and no flatmates or some flatmates but you know you're you're staying inside your room you can do that with little clothes on or no clothes on and the reason why i mentioned that is for your body to fall asleep the temperature of it has to drop by about two degrees or so from what i remember and so just cooling your body down a bit by you know just 
simply staying naked if you can, or opening the window or doing anything else that you can, maybe taking a mildly cold shower, but not a you know really, really cold one, allows you to then fall asleep much easier. I love that actually, because with that, you're also learning about the science, i.e. the temperature and it's a very simple thing. Big fan of that actually. One of them for me personally is having, it's never perfect because I, uh, I myself am the worst for, for switching off sometimes, but I always try and have an hour before bed, an hour before sleep time to turn off my Wi-Fi. That is uh, a number one. That is a non-negotiable. And get into my dressing gown, something very comfortable and gets me primed for chilling out. Put a candle on and really just try my absolute best to to switch off. Put a bit, bit of music on as well. And I think that buffer time for me has been very useful because otherwise it's really hard to go from, especially if you're doing some work in the evenings, almost 100% to just, right, I need to go to sleep. Because it never works like that. Your body needs a bit of time, I think, anyway, to, to get ready. Uh, absolutely. And really interesting point quickly. I, I know we touched on it briefly. I know you've got your feces and it's quite high stress. I can only imagine with the amount of work you've got with it. Sleep and stress is a huge, huge topic. And I was reading the last few weeks a lot more about HRB. And I knew you'd be the right guy to get some more details and thoughts on it. What is HRB? How can we measure it? And why is it important? Right. So HRV refers to heart rate variability. And what it essentially is, it's a short interval in between your heartbeats in the simplest terms. And counterintuitively, really, what you want to have is high HRV, as in the variability in between between the heartbeats to be high. You would kind of think if you didn't know anything about it, that you want nice, steady heartbeat, you know, very little variation. You just want everything working perfectly, but that's not the case. You want the HRV to be as high as possible. Um, and factors like stress, for example, and, and sleeping well can definitely lower it. And it's, it's, it's kind of a new darling of the fitness industry in a way where more and more people are focusing on it. You know, there's a, there's kind of a realization that just measuring your heart rate itself doesn't really tell you that much. And when you look at the variability, it's a good predictor of your body's stress levels. So for example, you can use HRV to gauge what kind of training session you should be doing the next day. So for example, if you wake up and your HRV is, is, is very, very low, you might not want to do a really, really intense session because your body is already kind of stressed. Well, you know, if I, if your HRV is nice and high and you feel rested, then that, that should guide you to do maybe a harder workout that you've been planning because your body seems to be more ready for it in a way. Um, I believe that you can track it with your Apple Watch. It, it has the, that option now, the newest model. You can also, I don't know if the Aura Ring does it. I believe it does. And the whoop band should do as well, though that, that one I'm less sure about, but the aura ring definitely should. 
Um, so there's a bunch of products that you can use to start tracking it. And obviously you can read up more about it and you can read up more about what kind of ranges or values are you looking at for your kind of age, age group as well. Mm. It's a really interesting one, isn't it? And that's really useful. Thanks for the, the details on it, because I think that similar to a lot of nutrition and fitness, the more data and evidence we can get for improvements and even just general trends, the better, because with that, it's much more concrete. And it's a very good guide because I think that often at times we can be our worst enemies and we can convince ourselves that we're doing okay and there's no reason to change anything. But if we have the real hard data in front of us, that's impossible to ignore at the end of the day. And almost wrapping up, conscious of our time, I think we're doing well. I've got, came prepared today, you'll be delighted to hear, a, an app and a food recommendation based on sleep and how to improve it and a few tips for the listeners. Do you want to go first or second today? I'll go second because I didn't come prepared. <laughs> no problem. For my, for my app, this is one that I used in the past. And the really good thing about sleep is because it's a popular topic, there's plenty out there that you can use for tracking and really gauging our progress with it. If you, even if you don't have a Garmin watch, the Garmin app is a brilliant tool for lots and lots of health measurements, sleep included. And this is something you can use if you have a Garmin watch. If you don't, I'm sure there are very similar apps out there with the same principle as we came to share the possibility of tracking and in lots and lots of detail all the way down to the different types of sleep that you're going through deep sleep rem all these different cycles you you have during your during your evenings and leading on from this with my foods based on a personal favor and if i'm totally honest it's not a huge amount of concrete science behind this however one of my favorites is a hot mug of coca powder before I go to bed and what I will say is it is a good source of fiber and protein and small bit of carbs which can can help with melatonin I'm clutching at straws you can tell but it's just a really relaxing and hearty and feel good foods or drink more more accurately to to just help you wind down Right, that's awesome. Um, I'm gonna cheat a bit with the app, and I'm gonna say, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say the alarm clock on your phone. But Ooh. I'm gonna expand on this, and it, and this will actually make sense in a second. So the main thing that is known actually in the literature and has made a big difference for me is not deviating from your wake up time, ever. As in, no matter what happens, unless it's you know something completely out of your control, like trip across multiple time zones and stuff like that. If you're at home and you have your routine, you should be really waking up the same time every single day because that allows your body to set the circadian rhythm and you will find it much easier to wake up at that time and you will find it much easier to fall asleep at a certain set time. 
So just having that alarm set for the same time every single day will hugely help you. Um, now, in terms of the food recommendation, you actually stole uh, the cocoa from me because <laughs> I was also going to mention I was also going to mention the benefit of it on on sirtuin enzymes and aging, um, as well as 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 you know giving you that little comfort uh, before going to sleep. So I'm going to mention another hot drink, which is um, lemon bounty. It's actually mm-hmm. I don't think there's a huge amount of science behind it either. But traditionally, it has been used as a tea that's meant to calm you down in the evening and kind of induce that state of relaxation and getting ready for sleep. So if people are having trouble sleeping and do not want to, you know, slowly transition to taking drugs or or melatonin supplementation, then I would suggest trying something like lemon balm tea, which is just a very gentle way to relax in the evening. Fantastic. I I can only apologize for for Stuart and yours on the same page, which is always a good sign. And yours is an equally good suggestion. Absolutely. Fantastic. And to wrap up, as we typically do, where can people find you? And if you had one ask of our listeners for this week, what would it be? Right. So they can find me, as always, on scientificallyfit.blog. Um, where where you also have links to my Instagram um, and you have a few recipes that I've really enjoyed that I hope people people are going to find useful. Um, in terms of the ask, just, you know, just try implementing some of those changes, but be kind to yourself. Like this is just a really, really stressful time right now. And so your sleep patterns, especially, you know, I'm not going to try to pretend to know what it's like to have children in the house and be stuck with them all day every day especially young children so your sleep patterns might be completely destroyed and so just kind of making those small small changes towards restoring them to something that's going to you know be hugely beneficial for your body and for your mind and for your health long term is is something that i would like to see from from everybody really fantastic it's a really great message the small changes that people often overlook I think can have a huge impact and I love that actually because you're right it is an incredibly stressful time and I think that the more we're easy and forgiving of ourselves the the better by by any means and to really echo that to to wrap up I'd I'd ask everyone to absolutely focus on you first which I know is selfish but at the same time, a really common and one of my favorite quotes is you can't serve from an empty vessel. And the more you take care of you first, the more you can pour that same energy into helping other people. And I think that's a really, really key message and strategy, actually, to take care of yourselves. And where to find me? All the usual channels, Demagogue and Nutrition, Facebook, instagram linkedin and twitter and on the website as well and as a final ask if there's any one of your friends or family or anyone you know who you think would enjoy and benefit from the episode please please share it's a big help for us too and with topics please let us know what you're keen to hear about we have a huge huge choice to choose from for future episodes and we're always very passionate about speaking about the types of nutrition, fitness, and 
elsewhere topics that people are keen to hear about. But with that, thanks again for listening, everyone. That is bye from me. And bye from me as well. And we'll look forward to seeing, albeit virtually, everyone soon. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye.